Welcome to GRE Snacks, snackable episodes about the GRE exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable GRE course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can try it out for free by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. Today, I've got Steven Friedfeld from AcceptU on the line with us, and if you could just tell us a little bit about you and about your company, that'd be great. Sure. Thanks so much, Tyler. It's good to be here. Um, I finished graduate school. I finished a PhD and immediately worked in Cornell University uh, admissions and academic advising. And I was an assistant dean there in the College of Arts and Sciences for four years. I then moved down to Princeton University in the School of Engineering and Applied Science, where I was the associate dean of graduate affairs and graduate admissions for six years. Um, I started admissions consulting on the side, and that led to founding or co-founding Accept You. We were founded in 2010. We are all former admissions officers. We work entirely virtually, and our and our counselors are comprised of undergraduate and graduate experts. Obviously, today I'll be speaking on the graduate side. Um, we work with university students who are looking to go to graduate programs, whether it's um, academic graduate programs or professional graduate programs. And we work with students uh, as early as first year of college, but most of our clients are working with us starting in their third and or fourth year of university studies. Yeah. No, that's great. And I think that um, it makes you a great person to talk about today because I think, you know, probably undergrad overlaps a little bit with this, but being really specific to graduate school about how to get great letters of recommendation, right? Sure. And I think in particular, um, you know, your letters of recommendation are going to come from different places, depending on what kind of program you're applying to. If you're applying to an MBA program, you should probably get recommendations from like people you worked with. If you're applying to an academic program, you should be getting recommendations from people that were your professors or that you did research for, or TA'd for, or other things like that. Um, but I'd love to turn it over to you here and first, you know, talk about the who, since I already kind of started <laughs> on that. Um, and then the who, the what, and the how of getting a great recommendation letter. Sure. The who, the what, and the how. Um, well, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. If you're applying directly from undergraduate to graduate, most of your faculty, most of your letters of recommendation will be coming from your faculty members. Most, most programs need three letters of recommendation. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're a current senior in college, then you probably will have two or perhaps all three will come from faculty members. But there are some variations on that, of course. Um, mm-hmm. if, you're, <clears throat> if you had a summer internship, then perhaps your summer super advise, supervisor will be one of your letter of recommendation writers. Um, and as you said, if you've done a research project with a professor, you might know that professor much better than you'd know a professor of your you know, lecture of 200, 300 people might be in a lecture hall. So so you want to try and find professors who know you well. If you're not working with professors, then you want to get someone who knows you well during a summer um, from an internship. Um, I mean, there are, of course, people who are applying to graduate school after working full time for two or three or four years. We get this Mm -hmm. question all the time. Should I go back to my university and find professors who will be willing and able to write my letters of recommendation? The answer for the most part is no. It's, it's 
unlikely that if you've been working for two or more years full time that the professors really know who you are today. They might not even remember who you are necessarily. Um, yeah, they deal with a few hundred students a year usually, right? So yeah, like, yeah. Don't yeah. take that personally. Right. That's a good point. So you want you want the most relevant people writing your letters of recommendation. I would say those who know you best. We get this question all the time. Well, I'm doing research in a lab and it's uh, really supervised by the PhD student, you know, this teaching assistant. Um, and, and he knows me very well, but the professor um, who, you know, her lab is, it's a famous professor and, but she doesn't really know me. I don't work with her. I just work with her PhD student. I know him, he knows me. So who should write the letter of recommendation? So we get those sorts of questions all the time. And I mean, the ideal situation is to have the famous professor write the letter of recommendation if she knows you really well. But you, right. just, but you just said that she didn't know you very well or at all. She nominally knows you. So it might not be as, as impactful a letter of recommendation. So probably the PhD student is going to be a better, smarter letter writer. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's why I said, if we could have our, if we could have it both ways, meaning a famous professor who does know you well, sure, that's the um, that that's the key. I actually, as a side note, I remember when I was an undergrad, my undergraduate degree is from Cornell, which is, as I mentioned, where I also used to work. Um, <laughs> this is a true story. Someone I was friendly with worked in Carl Sagan's lab for two or three years, and wow. uh, and he knew her very well. Yeah, yeah. And so that was one of her letters of recommendation. She felt very confident applying to graduate schools when having done research un directly under him for a couple of years. So, I mean, that's rare. You know, it's very rare that professors of that stature really get to know their undergraduate students quite well. Another similar question is about assistant versus associate versus full professor. Well, you know, this assistant professor knows me very well versus this other professor who's a famous full professor of XYZ, doesn't know me at all, but I got an A in his class. No, you want the person who knows you very well. So that's totally fine if it's an assistant professor versus associate versus full professor. Um, again, right. you know, if, if the person knows you well, it's going to be a better letter. I actually always say, you'll get a better letter from someone who knows you and someone who likes you than someone who doesn't know you and someone who doesn't like you. So you know, my, yeah. Um, and that makes sense. But I think that it's not necessarily so obvious when you're, you're worried about, you know, how yeah. famous is the person that's writing it or whatever. So but I think that, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that the admissions officers, the purpose of the letter is mostly to learn about who you are. Like, yes. Yeah. You know, Carl Sagan, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it might even get you some sort of, uh, you know, geeky, uh, nerd points with the with the people there. They're like, wow, that's so cool. Totally. But if you come off like a total jerk, then it doesn't really matter, right? I, I think it. Oh, the the correct. Day, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's really the the goal of the letter, at least my opinion. Uh, and I'm curious what you think. Yeah. The goal of the letter is to find out more about the applicant in the context that they're going to be in in this. Yeah. Uh, school. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think that, you know, we can learn a lot about the student from his resume and his transcript. We know on your resume what your experiences have been, internships or research or otherwise. We know from your resume what your or from your transcript what your grades have been, of course, and what your GPA is. So we want to know things like, 
your ability to work well with others, your ability to be innovative and thoughtful. Um, I think kindness matters. Um, you know, you can be brilliant, but if you're a jerk, then it's not going to get you very far. Um, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, people who are brilliant out there. So why would they take someone who's brilliant and a jerk when they don't have to? Um, actually, when I worked at Princeton um, in the School of Engineering, my then dean, she had on her whiteboard the word jerk in all caps with a no smoking sign over it. Don't be a jerk. And, you know, it, it really did matter. It really does matter. Um, letters of recommendation matter so much more at the graduate admissions level than they did at the undergraduate level. As I said, our company is mixed where we, as a company, are admissions counselors for both undergraduate admissions and graduate admissions. And the, uh, the high school students and their parents worry so much about who's writing the letter of recommendation and what the person says. And we, we try and tamper their enthusiasm and say, well, it, it actually doesn't matter that much. You know, as long as it's good or okay or fine or great, it, it doesn't matter that much. But when you're a, a university student applying to graduate school, it actually does matter. The letters of recommendation take on a lot more weight and importance because, um, you know, the, <clears throat> the people who are writing your letters have um, a lot more clout, if you will, than, than a high school, you know, English teacher or no offense to the high school English teacher, but that's just the reality. Yeah. Well, and it's particularly because, especially for the academic fields, um, it's a pretty small village, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're going into, you know, you mentioned like computer science theory yeah, yeah. or, you know, biochemistry and yep. there's probably subsections of that. The, the list of people that are going to be professors that have PhD programs and, and people thinks that you're applying to is probably a few dozen, maybe a few hundred. Yeah, and yeah. so everybody kind of knows who everybody else is that's in yeah. that universe. Yeah. Right? And then they also, because of that, they also kind of know, okay, there's a larger constellation of undergraduate professors, right? Um, there's going to be probably a few thousand, but they still kind of know who they are too, or at least they know their schools. So yeah. it, it's a lot more of like a, a who's who game in that regard. Definitely. Uh, than, when, than undergrad, where it's like, I've never heard of this English teacher and I never will again kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that is definitely true. Never heard of this random English teacher from Iowa or this random history teacher from, you know, Florida and on and on and on. I mean, there's literally tens of thousands of teachers and high school counselors that are out there, but there aren't that many, as you said. It's a smaller village. Um, it's a smaller network. And so I think there's a lot of trust that is placed in the letters of recommendation at the graduate admissions level. Um, so it's, it, it is really, really important. So, you, you know, one thing that I always like to say to, um, to undergraduates, and I actually stole this from a mentor of mine at Cornell, but I, I thought it was great advice that she gave. Every single semester, your goal should be to try and get to know one professor really well. So by the time you're a senior, you know eight professors really well. Do students do that? No. But if they, even if they start late and they, you know, meet three or four professors really well, that's actually a good number, especially because right. I said you only need three letters of recommendation. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too. I think that um, the earlier that you can realize that you're going to apply to graduate yeah. school, the better, right? I mean, yeah. certainly, um, I, I, it, this matters less for professional probably like if you're getting an MBA 
you're you're going to get to know your boss at your job pretty well and that's who this letter is coming from anyway um but for if you're in the academic world and you're most likely going kind of straight to a graduate program you should be trying to to figure out who you think your letters are coming from probably junior year definitely right which i would imagine yeah. is earlier than a lot of people start to think about it they, they my guess is people panic yep. in senior year and they're like who are the people that i kind of know Right. I, I, I honestly talk to a couple hundred seniors in college every single year who have no idea who's going to be writing their letters of recommendation. And <clears throat> you're correct. Junior year is fine. Uh, you know, I like my mentor's advice where, you know, if you start on freshman or sophomore year collecting, you know, relationships, if you will, I think that's fantastic. But even in junior year, um, you know, students don't go to professor's office hours unless they have an issue with the class or the material or they don't understand it or they might just go see the phd student the teaching assistant and so mm -hmm. i try and say all the time to students you don't have to just go to professor's office hours when you are having trouble with your class you can go there just to you know it's tuesdays and thursdays 1 to 3 p.m or whatever the the hours posted might be you could talk to your professor just to say I would like some advice on graduate school and get to know that professor. And that professor can really take a shine to you and give you really fantastic advice about what kinds of programs are out there, what kinds of graduate mm -hmm. programs are good for you. And, you know, that is relationship building. And the students who are shyer, honestly, are not doing this, but they would benefit greatly from it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think two two additional things to add to that. Number one is that often the the dream scenario is your professor you're talking to you ask him how oh, I want to go to graduate school, and he, for lack of a better word, like starts to get in his head where he thinks you should go. Totally. You know he's going to write you a really good letter for that place if he <laughs> if it's his idea, right? Or if it's his um, alma mater, <laughs> yeah. right? Or if it's his alma mater. Yeah. Um, and then the 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 second thing, um, just a, just a teeny bit of cold water is, don't just go blow smoke or suck up to these people either. You know, try to build a real relationship, right? Like treat them like oh, a friend. Yeah. At the end of the day, one of the weirdest parts about sort of college and your early twenties is you're in that the fulcrum of the transition from I'm a kid to I'm an adult, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that. Part of it is like learning that adults are actually interesting and like yeah. they have their own lives and they're doing stuff. Right. Yep. Like, yep. I think when I was, when I was that age, I didn't really think like that. And now I do cause I'm in my thirties. Right, right? right. But, yeah. but certainly, you know, just taking, you know, the, the, uh, how you say the great book, how to win friends and influence people. Uh, I yeah. could really just summarize it for you in a single line, which is like become genuinely interested in them. Um, and that can be a great way to make a friend and potentially have a great ally for the process later on when you're applying to grad school. I completely agree. I mean, like I said, most people think that you should only go to professor's office hours when you're doing poorly in a class. And I think, can you imagine being that professor? Wouldn't it be so nice and refreshing to have someone come into your office and say, oh, I'm, I'm doing great in your class. I actually like your class, but I wanted to talk to you about graduate school. It seems like, you know, you have some things that you field, could yeah. you could share with me. Yeah. I mean, it's actually very flattering to someone for someone to hear that a, an undergraduate wants to sort of replicate what he has done or what she has done. 
Um, but that professor will, like you said, know other universities that the student really is a good fit for. They'll, they'll have visited other universities because of lectures that they give. They have friends at other universities. They'll know the network. They'll know which universities are strong in subfields ABC and which field, which universities are strong in subfields XYZ. So it, it really, I agree with you. Genuine mentorship, uh, relationship building is is really is really cool. When I was an undergraduate, I, I didn't intend to do this, but I, I actually got to know my TAs pretty well. I just remember when I was in science labs. Um, you know, you're there for three hours every Monday, and um, I don't know. I I think that the PhD students were, liked when a couple of us would chat with them about what's grad school like, what's your life like, what was your undergrad like, and I didn't do it for any ulterior motive, but it actually ended up, I learned a lot and I ended up getting a PhD and I think I, I learned a lot. I did informally use them as mentors, which is actually a good part of this discussion is, you know, who could be a good advisor, a good mentor. I didn't use them as, as letter of recommendation writers. I did use professors that I got to know pretty well, but but I think that they they add a, a lot of value, the, the current graduate students. If you're at an undergraduate only institution, like a liberal arts and sciences college, obviously the professors will be the mentors that you lean on. They won't have, you know, masters and PhD and JD students to talk to, but but at the larger research universities, it's a great resource. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I feel like we've covered the the who pretty well here. And and now sure, yeah. for the the what, right? What <laughs> what, what is going to make your recommendation letter impactful and stand out? And I feel like, you know, it's going to obviously vary by what yeah. type of degree you're applying to and what field you're in, but I think there's some rules that are kind of general that that you've got in mind here for this one. Yeah, I think the what really needs to, um, I, I think it's good for the people reading the letters of recommendation to get, as you mentioned earlier, a good sense of who who you are and why you're a good fit or why you're a good match for the graduate program. I think it's important for them to use adjectives that really are, if you will, appropriate. Um, if you're in applying for an interdisciplinary graduate program, I think it's useful for them to talk about the kinds of things that you've done, studied at the undergraduate level that speak to that interdisciplinarity. If you're mm -hmm. looking for a research graduate program, then I obviously, or presumably a research um, mentor would make a lot of sense. But I mentioned earlier, teamwork and collaboration and, you know, those who are doing research graduate programs, it's all about creating new knowledge or discovering new knowledge. And so that's why inquiry and intellectual inquisitiveness um, and and uh, I think any kinds of descriptions that really speak to those attributes can be very, very helpful. If you are applying to a more graduate, uh, a professional graduate program, um, I think that the universities the graduate universities would want to see um, students who are um, diligent and mature. I think those kinds of of, um, of descriptors actually really can can speak volumes. Um, I mean, obviously, it's different from a high school student applying to college. A lot of those students really are sometimes immature. Um, the university students, the college students applying to graduate programs. They're not necessarily immature per se, some are, but most of those applying to graduate programs are not immature. It's just that they're looking for maturity in an academic discipline. Um, right. Yeah. So 
I think students who go the extra mile, students who, you know, really are genuinely interested in learning at this next level are going to stand out um, on a letter of recommendation. I, I like for letter, I mean, this is not a podcast for um, the letter of recommendation writers per se, but the letter of recommendation <laughs> writers should always start with how do you know this person and how long have you know that, known this person? I mean, I think that's right. fa fairly standard, but sometimes they don't. Um, sometimes a student will be asked, I, I genuinely don't like this, but sometimes a student will be asked to write her own letter of recommendation and then hand it to the professor and then the professor will edit it and sign it. So if anyone listening is asked by a professor to write her own letter of recommendation, you might want to see if there's a better or different person who will write it. Or if you're going to, you know, follow that exercise, make it as authentic and genuine. And, and it'll be edited, of course, by the letter writer, whoever signs the actual letter. But, you know, this is your chance to, you know, let the um, graduate programs know who you are and what you what you will contribute, meaning how and what you will contribute to the graduate program. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you you captured a lot of that stuff pretty well, right? Um it it's about you know, it's demonstrating interest, it's it's showing that this is the that this is the place you want to be and the field you want to be in and yeah. this is what you're intellectually curious about. This is what you're excited to do your research on or to you know where the degree will take you if it's yeah. maybe like an MBA, like why do you want an MBA? Like where is it going to take you? Totally. Um, and, and I think that in terms of the what, um, the other piece of it, right, as you touched on, is they're trying to get a sense for who you are as a person. Yeah. And so that's why the context of how do I know this person, you know, it matters a lot, right? If, it, if it's yes. like I had one class, uh, you know, senior spring, <laughs> right before the deadlines for these things with this person, and it, you know, they were a very smart student, and I saw that they uh, had a good grasp of the material. Like, sure, that's fine. But if it's, you know, I worked with this student for, for three and a half years, you know, I taught their freshman chemistry class all the way up through advanced blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I saw them grow and develop, and like, here's the things that I really liked about her, and how yeah. she like, you know, tackled some of the challenges that she had in like sophomore year, and then you know, now senior year is doing great. You know, there's just so much more story to that. Oh yeah, um, a lot of depth. Yeah, exactly, yeah. and and that's what people are looking for. They want to they want to kind of find out about you, and not just a single dot on the chart, but like a, preferably a couple of dots that can oh, yeah. form a line out of and kind of get an idea. I agree. Yeah. If, if you know someone uh, for a longer duration than just one semester class, I think that's very good. Sometimes professors are advisors. Oftentimes they're advisors to clubs and organizations. So if the person knows you even just twice, once as a club advisor, and secondly, as a student in his class, that's really fantastic. You know, so if you're an economics major and you're in the econ club, the econ club is probably every club almost always has to have a faculty advisor. So that's something to think about. I like I like how you um, described it as having just not one single dot, but having, you know, some sort of linear relationship. The other thing I should say is that, um, you know, a student will say, well, I got an A in Professor Smith's, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Econ 303 class or whatever it's called. And there were 
150 students in that class. And well, you know, I don't really have anyone else to write my letters of recommendation. And I've met this, this professor a time or two. So I'll ask Professor Smith. Well, oftentimes Professor Smith won't have much to say other than she's really smart. She got an A in my Econ 303 class and not much else. The thing that I laugh right. when I see that is, yeah, we, we know you got an A in Econ 303. I, I'm looking at your transcript, <laughs> you know? So it's like, they're not telling us anything we didn't already know from other parts of the application. Right. And it's, and it's like, um, you know, to go back to kind of like the famous people thing, like I, I was talking yeah. to somebody last week where they said, yeah, one time when I was an admissions officer, someone sent me a, a recommendation letter from Al Gore while Al Gore was vice president, wow. like, while he was currently vice president. It was basically like, my name is Al Gore and I endorse this person. Yeah. And so it was useless. Totally. Right. Like, I, I mean, I know that you either you or your parents have famous friends, but that's about it. Right. Like it's it's not about the the person as much as the content of it. Correct. Um, and then the other thing I thought was interesting and I wanted to come back to was you made a you made a comment that you don't like it when people write when people want you to write the recommendation for them. Yeah. I thought that was interesting because when I've done letters of recommendation for work. Yeah, it's been about fifty fifty. Where like half the time, my boss is like, "Just put it whatever you're looking for," and I'd be happy to sign it. And um, I find those to be helpful because you can really get the messaging aligned, right? So I'm yeah. curious why you're not a fan of that. Oh, right? I mean, like, it's uh, not the it's not the end of the world, but there's a difference between a senior in college and someone who's in the workforce for a, a few years. So, you know, if a senior in college will get really nervous about what do I say, what does it look like? And we as a company then are sending templates of what a good letter of recommendation looks like. And, you know, a senior in college has so many other things to worry about. The GRE uh, application essays, um, possibly communicating with professors at other universities or his own university and so forth. And it's just it's it's that that's what I meant is I don't like when a student is has that put upon him. I feel mm. like that's the professor's job. So that's what I meant right. by I don't like it. Sure, on the plus side, you get to control the narrative. <laughs> you get to right. um, say what you want. And like I said, the professor will, of course, edit it before sending it with his name and signature on it. But I just, I feel that's lazy. When I they was usually won't person, edit it that much, right? Or, I mean, it, it no. depends. Like, don't, if, if you're, if well, you're if weaving you say a you're very the best, tall tale. Yeah, if you say yeah. I'm the best thing that that this is the student X Stevens the best student I've seen in my 25 year career. <laughs> right, I personally up. taught Bill Gates, and he's twice as smart as Bill Gates. Or <laughs> right, whatever. exactly. Yeah, so don't be crazy. But yeah. oh yeah, yeah, they won't edit out too much as long as you're reasonable. But then the students get very nervous about well, what is reasonable? I don't want it to be over the top, of course, but I also don't. But I do want to sell myself, you know. So. Um, I mean, at that point, um, I mean, my advice hard. on that topic, if they're like, if they're like, how, how hard would, would I push it? My, my thing is however hard do you think you should push it and then add 20% and then kind of <laughs> see, see where you, and then like, and preface it, like when the professor be like, Hey, look, like I was very, I was very positive of, about myself. Like, please edit it as much as you want. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a, that's an interesting wrinkle on it's, that on that. It's one, not that common, but we see it enough that we actually have template letters of recommendation that we can send to our students in case they do have to write their own draft letter before they send it to their professors. I just think it's unfair. I think it's part of this, the professor's uh, role. 
Yeah, and also it's it's um they write a lot of these and the student does not, right? That so is correct. This is the first one the student has ever written, guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they have a lot of expertise. Yeah. Um well great. Uh so I feel like we've done pretty good on the the who and the what. So now for the the how. The for how the, for the, the for the execution of the plan, right? And I mean sure. we talked a little bit about maybe step one is like have some people that you built relationships with where you have a list to pull from. Preferably you should have more than three so that if any of them say no, you're not up a Creek. True. Um, But beyond, you know, maybe step one is build relationships with your professors and and TAs. What else are the steps that people should follow to get really good recommendation letters? Ask far in advance of the deadlines. Know Mm -hmm. the universities on your list. Have a resume already crafted. It doesn't have to be the most perfect resume, but the professor might only know you in one context. Maybe Mm -hmm. she had you in Econ 101 and doesn't know you otherwise, doesn't know that you're actually majoring in something else or what your overall GPA is or that you've been raising money as a in your philanthropy philanthropy club for the last two years or or that you had this great internship the professors really won't know much about you if you don't have a good relationship um and so a resume is very helpful far in advance the professors are very very busy um if it's a supervisor because you've been working for you know a couple years then that's probably they'll have a better sense of your resume obviously and uh, and they'll but they'll also want to have some time because they don't write letters of recommendation that often, so it's not their right. you know uh, their norm. So I think that um, sometimes asking professors or planting the seed with professors that you know or you feel confident will be writing a letter of recommendation towards the end of junior year of college is really really smart. Maybe an email over the summer, definitely when you get back to campus at the beginning of senior year, but far ahead of deadlines. You don't need to know your entire list of universities but or which graduate programs you're even applying to because you might be applying to, you know, the uh you might be applying to different programs at different universities. So they might have to tailor their letter depending on the universities to which you're applying, although they don't like to do that. So if you're applying to different programs at different universities, but they're close enough to one another, maybe they can write one letter that really suffices for all of the programs. So you just want to be in good communication. You want to be deferential. You want to be obviously professional, polite, and and mindful of and respectful of their time. You're not going to get right. a good letter if it's the week before it's due or the day before it's due. You're, you might, you wouldn't get a letter at all, probably, unless the person felt badly for you, but you're not going to get a good letter unless you've done all these things right. Right. And then so actually, to be specific on timeline, um, you said, you know, start the process far in advance. What does far in advance mean to you? Um, I would say two months ahead of the first deadline, if not more. Um, yeah. you know, with MBA programs, uh, I have colleagues who are much more familiar with the MBA deadlines than I am. Um, most of my graduate admissions experience is, is academic. Um, but for the professional graduate um, programs, I believe September is when the round one MBAs are due. Um, most academic graduate programs, most graduate programs in general, professional or academic, are due in um, December and January. And sometimes they bleed into February. So I would say certainly one month ahead, but I, I honestly think at least two months ahead of deadlines. And professors still might get them in late. And that's okay. We say to students all the time, as long as your material is in on time and ahead of deadlines, 
it's okay if the professor's material comes late. The universities are... So they submit separately? You don't do it for them? It depends on the application system. Sometimes they're, the student, almost always, the student can just submit everything on her own, and then the professor will receive an email saying, complete this link to submit your, you know... So yes, they're separate, but it's linked. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes... Um, I shouldn't say oftentimes, sometimes the professor will send in an, a letter of recommendation after the deadline has passed and the system has locked or closed. And then it's really messy for the students, very unfair to the student. Um, and, you know, if the student has asked far in advance of the deadline and the professor really didn't get the letter in, that's when I say it's unfair. But, um, right. you know, but the, but the, the, the receiving university the, the one that's receiving the application is very forgiving. They know the student got everything in on time and they'll somehow make it work where maybe a, an email pr from the professor letter of recommendation rather than through the application system is, is acceptable. But all the time we would see students submit their application and say, my GRE score is coming, but after the deadline or my letters of recommendation are coming, but after the deadline. Earlier is better always in admission. So if they can get anything right. and everything far ahead of deadlines, or or more weeks, they're in a better place. Would you recommend essentially like telling the professor that the deadline is a week before it's actually? Uh, I That's what I do when I'm like, trying to make sure that, uh, you know, my wife and I are on time to dinner, for instance. Sure, sure. <laughs> I love that idea. I think that's almost, I'd have to think, uh, it might not be possible because they probably can see the deadline anyway. So right. yeah, giving yeah. a false, deadline is not a bad idea if you uh, can get away with it, meaning say, oh, it's due on Well, if December. you're the one submitting their paper in particular, then it's like, you know, well, it's, not, it's not even like the university would know that it was their fault, not yours, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, the professors are not handing the letters of recommendation to students to submit, though. They, they, like I right. said, they're uh, submitting right. them on sense. their own, but through some link that the student gives. I would say, you know, to a professor or a letter of recommendation writer. It's it's due on December 1st, but to be honest, uh, my goal is to submit everything by November 1st. If you could also submit by that date, that would be great. And then, you know, hopefully the professor hears November 1, not December 1. That way you're not lying about the deadline, but you're also giving them an advance deadline to target. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I think it's also just fair to just like tell your professor straight up, like I'm trying to be a little early. Yeah, I mean the the well, absolutely. I have seen students get admitted far ahead of the general admission date uh, or admission release date because of everything was completed and submitted and early and on time, and you know these professors and graduate admissions. Um, schools, they want to get start getting through all of their applications. And the ones that come in early sometimes have an advantage because there's nothing else to compare it to. So if you submit early and it's great and there's nothing else to compare it yeah, to, you they, might get they don't. Right, exactly. It totally depends on the school, but I could see that totally. for sure. Even at um, Princeton, we did that. Yeah, well, it yeah. makes sense if somebody's if somebody you know you That's do it's not like you're it's not like you're basing this off of nothing, right? Like you yeah. see people every year. Yeah, if someone's clearly great, then you're like, all right, this yeah, might might as well. Out. Well, because yeah. then there's an emotional attachment. If a university admits someone far ahead of 
the admission offer to all of the other applicants, that student who's been admitted might say, oh, maybe I won't even apply to any other universities. I already got into this school and I love it. And they're clearly interested in me. You might, they might commit earlier than not. Right. Yeah. yeah and admissions officers want you to commit. That's another thing. Just a little inside baseball for everyone listening. <laughs> they, they do, do not want to accept you and have you turn them down. Um, no, yeah. but I appreciate the uh, the shout out for accept you, my company. <laughs> right. Ha, that's a good joke. That's funny. Yeah. Um, do you have any other uh, closing thoughts on, sure. on impactful recommendation letters here as we wrap this up? Yeah. Time? I mean, it's not really on how to get an impactful letter, but it is something that is a good practice is the student really should certainly thank the professor via email at the very worst or least. Oh, but, yeah. But I honestly honestly think that it's really appropriate to um to get a, a card like a paper card from you know hallmark or whatever store and to write a thank you letter um box of chocolates probably not appropriate to do a bottle of wine but maybe but honestly a a, a, a letter a, a written letter is really appropriate it's very appropriate yeah good lesson for life too well right i mean they they Professors have a lot going on. Like on the one hand, you said like it's a professor's responsibility to write this letter for you, and it is. Um, and on the other hand, you know they have like it's they don't get paid for it. No, they don't. Like they just they're doing it kind of out of the goodness of their heart, and also they have a lot of other stuff to do. Yeah. So it's it's really important, I think, especially because you just built this relationship. You don't want them to yeah. think it was transactional at the end no. of all of it, right? I, they might be relevant later too. The crazy thing is, they'll remember. They'll remember that box of chocolates or that handwritten card years later. That's how meaningful it is. It really, it really is. The other thing that I forgot to mention earlier that that I think is um, that I should have uh, started with is when you ask your professors for a letter of recommendation, I think it's really good to say to Professor X or to Supervisor X, can you write me a good letter of recommendation or a, will you write me a, a, a strong letter of recommendation? Have some adjective, a positive adjective there. Can you write me a, a good, you know, or strong um, or impactful letter of recommendation? Um, that's different from, can you write me a letter of recommendation? Because yeah, anyone can write right. a letter of recommendation. <laughs> it might not be a positive one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's probably good to qualify that, right? Cause at the yeah. end of the day, a, a I don't think a professor who is not going to write you a good letter is ever going to answer that question falsely. But if you just ask for a letter, they'll pro they could say yes and just maybe like be like, well, I'm not going to be rude, but you know, Correct. this isn't my favorite person who asked me. Yeah. You don't want that person. You yeah. want somebody who loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it really is important to add that qualifier. So can you write me a positive letter of recommendation? And um, they, you're, you're absolutely right, Tyler, that they will be honest. Um, or if they hem and haw and they're like, um, yeah, I mean, if you come around my office next week, I think I'll, you know, let's chat about this. If they're not super positive, just don't ask them further. You can find other people. Right. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. This pleasure. has been GRE Snacks. Um, this has been GRE Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable and Stephen Friedfeld from Accept You. Achievable has a great online GRE course that you can try for free at achievable.me and use the code podcast to get 10% off if you like it.